0: Amen. You never get tired singing that song. Growing up, Colossians. Let me invite your attention. Colossians chapter 1. Who is this Jesus? How was your week last week? I hope it went well. Yesterday was a very emotional day as we remembered 9-11. And uh, we continue to pray for those in military and first responders and families who are grieving. But we will not forget And as you look back over your week last week, how was your personal time with the Lord? I hope it was good. I hope he taught you some inspiring, life-changing truths. But how did the Lord use you last week as well? Uh, One of the things I love to do is ask questions, and those questions are very simple and straightforward. But uh, let me just give you a scenario. You're at the grocery store. And you're standing there, somebody you've known, you've met, don't know a great deal about, but you see this person, and this person comes up to you, and you have a conversation. And then the person asks you a few interesting questions. For example, do you attend church? Yeah, what do you say? Sure, I do. And then the person says, do you pray? Well, absolutely, I pray. Pray in the mornings or pray at night, pray at different times during the day. And then the person says, do you read the Bible? Well, yes, I read the Bible. I try to read the Bible every day of my life. And then the person says, do you believe in Jesus? And absolutely, he is my Savior, he's my Lord, I believe in him. And then, again, those questions are pretty simple and straightforward, but then this person asks you this question, and here it is, who is this Jesus anyway? How would you answer that person's question? The good news from Colossians 1, Paul is going to answer That question is to a group of believers at Colossae, but also to you and to me. And that question, who is this Jesus? You need to understand that's not an abnormal question. It's a common question back in Jesus' day, but even in our day. Luke chapter 8, there's a story about Jesus calms a storm. One day he got into a boat with his disciples. He said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake, talking about the Sea of Galilee. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. So Jesus sleeping like a baby as they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee and a, and a windstorm. this violent storm came up without any warning at all, came on the lake. And so the water was filling up the boat and the disciples thought they were going to drown. They were going to die. They were going to perish and so it says they said to him master, master we are perishing we're not going to make it, we're not going to survive life's coming to an end and then he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm imagine that experience and then he said to them where is your faith? and they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another and here's a question, the disciples in the boat with him here's what they said who then is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this Jesus? Who is he? Why did he come to this earth? What did he teach? And how can I know him in a personal way? Every year at Christmas and Easter especially, interest in the life of Jesus goes to another level television shows, magazines are showing footage, but also articles about who Jesus is. They're talking about his life, but also about his legacy. Jewelry stores, other online shopping platforms sell a lot of jewelry at that time, mainly crosses. But the question is, who is this Jesus? Colossians chapter one, Paul is dealing with a group of false teachers. They have made their way into the church, and they're causing chaos and problems. And so here's what they were saying to people. They were causing people to be confused. They were saying about the Lord Jesus, they were saying, Jesus isn't God. They were saying, Jesus did not create the world. They were saying, Jesus isn't the unique son of God, and Jesus isn't the only way to be be saved and to go to heaven. And Paul's going to deal with that. False teachers, again, were saying these things, you know, they were trying to minimize Jesus. Jesus wasn't enough for them. And here's what they were saying. They were saying, Jesus is important. He's just not essential. Now, we want to give Jesus a place in our lives, just not first place in life. This morning, church, as we gather in the room but those who are online, let me ask you very personally... As you think about your life as Jesus first in your life. When you look at your life, you look at your marriage, you look at your family, you think about your finances, you think about your career, you think about your entertainment choices, is Jesus first in your life? He doesn't want to be second or third or fourth. He wants to be number one in your life. He wants to be the priority and the first choice of your life. Now, church, as we gather together in the room and those who are online, as we even think about us as a church, there are a lot of dynamics in church life. A lot of things go on in the life of the church. But as you and I think about the church, the gathered ones, believers in Christ, is Jesus Christ first place in our church? We put him before buildings. We put him before styles. We put him before everything. The focus of who we are is Jesus because he is the priority and the choice of our lives is Jesus. Who is this Jesus? I'd taken our staff one time up to Georgia to to a conference and we were returning home. We were coming through Macon, Georgia. And so we stopped at a McDonald's. We weren't really interested in the food very much. We just needed to make a stop And so we stopped and we walked into McDonald's and I saw a guy sitting at a table and he just caught my interest. And so I saw him sitting there and he was rolling something. Wasn't sure exactly what it was. I thought, I'd like to know that guy's story. So we we did a few things. And then when I came back out, I looked and noticed the table was empty. And then I saw this guy sitting on the sidewalk out there. And so I just kind of walked up to him, kind of edged up to him as close as I could. And I just said, how's your day going? And he made a few comments. And I said, are you, are you from Macon, Georgia? And he made a comment or two. And I said, your family live here. And he talked about that. And then I said, are you connected to a church anywhere here in Macon? He talked about that. And then I said, who do you think Jesus is? I, I just led into that question. And he said, well, that's an interesting question. Jesus, and here's what he said. He said, Jesus, he retired. I said, no, hold on just a second. What do you mean Jesus retired? He said, yeah, Jesus, he retired recently. I said, well, please understand about who is this Jesus. Jesus did not retire. Jesus is still changing the lives of boys and girls and men and women. He's changed my life. He'll change your life. But Jesus is not retired. He is at work changing the lives of people. And then whatever he was rolling on the table, he started smoking. And there was this really weird smell that I knew. Now I understand why you think Jesus retired. There's a reason behind that. But the good news this morning, Jesus has not retired. He's still cha- he's, he's sitting at the right hand of God. One day he's coming again. He's still changing the lives of boys and girls and men and women. He's doing that in our service. He's doing that literally around the world. Jesus is alive and well. Now, as we think about this particular text, I I think of who is this Jesus? I think about 1 Peter chapter 3. That's a question that we need to wrestle with. People come up to us and ask. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. I hope Jesus is the Lord of your life. And we need to make him holy as he desires to be. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. That do this with gentleness and respect. We need to be ready. If somebody asks us, who is this Jesus? We can say from the word of God, this is who the son of God and the savior of the world is. We're ready to do that. Now, what does Paul say as you look at your outline in Colossians 1? Who is this Jesus? Number one, Jesus is the creator. Again, there are many people who look at Jesus and they say he was a good man, he was a great teacher, he was a wonderful prophet, but he's not the son of God, he's not the savior of the world. That is not what Paul is going to say. Again, he's dealing with false teachers. Look at number one, under that, understand who he is. You and I know something about the life of Saul. Uh, We know him, he was trying to do everything he could to persecute churches and hinder believers. And then on the road to Damascus one day, Gloriously, Paul got saved. Jesus changed his life, called him into ministry. Now, Paul is not persecuting the church. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's planting churches and building churches. I mean, Jesus changed his life. So Paul's salvation was on the road to Damascus. I remember my salvation. I was sitting on our basement steps at our house Called out to the Lord Jesus to save me. He wonderfully saved me that day on the basement steps. Paul on the road to Damascus. I was on some basement steps. Where did you meet Jesus and where did he change your life at? Now, as we understand who he is, we understand this about Paul again. Jesus changed his life, and Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to give us some insights about that. He's going to say, one, that the manger in Bethlehem was not his beginning, because he says in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Now, what does that mean? What Paul is saying there is meaning this. He is God. When you look at Jesus, you see God the Father. What did Jesus say in John 14, verse 9? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus wants to make sure that you, you, when you see him, you see the Father. And Paul is saying here, he is the image of the invisible God. He is God. He's not less than God. He's God. Paul's very clear about that. His theology is right on. He also goes on to say about him creation. He said he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, when you see the word firstborn, please understand that doesn't mean order. It means rank. He's the firstborn of all creation. And notice these next words for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So when we understand Jesus being the creator, we understand this, all things are created by him, through him and for him. And so if I look at my sport coat this morning and open up a little bit, I can tell you who made this coat. I understand the manufacturer of this coat. Uh, The good news today for us as a church, we need to make sure what Paul is saying, the firstborn of all creation, when you and I see a sunrise in the east and a sunset in the west, when you and I see different seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter, when you and I see beautiful flowers in the spring and wonderful colors in the fall, When you and I look at mountains and oceans and those things, we need to understand this. Made by Jesus. As you look at your life, as I look at my life and realize, sure, we've got issues, we've got weaknesses. But when you look at your life and I look at my life, we need to make sure we understand we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made by Jesus. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You are created by the Lord Jesus Christ. You have value in life made by jesus and so paul is saying again the manger was not his beginning he also understand he's god but also he's created but he also is talking about jesus meaning he teaches different than those in the world do understand this about the lord jesus when you read the word of god and understand he's a here's what jesus said he says happy are those who are persecuted blessed are those here the world's not going to say that Jesus says, love your enemies. The world's not going to tell you that. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The world's not going to tell you that. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you need to lose your life. Here's what he means. You surrender your life to him and you follow him all the days of your life. Jesus said, if you want to be great, then you need to be a servant. If you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to live, you need to die the world's not going to tell you those things that's the life of Jesus understand who he is Paul is saying again he's God he's the creator he teaches different than those in the world do understand who he is look at number two you respond to him in worship and so when you think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ I, I love these next few statements Jesus never told a half truth Jesus never had to confess a sin there was no sin in his life the perfect sinless son of God And Jesus is worthy to be worshipped on a Sunday morning in Clarksville, Tennessee. He's worthy to be worshipped. That's who he is. And so when you look at your life, again, you have been created by the Lord. You've been created by him, through him, for him. As you think about your life, we were created, again, not to just see how much stuff we can accumulate. We were created not just about ourselves. We were created to know him, follow him, and worship him. But here's the problem in our day. Same problem that happened in Romans 1. Instead of worshiping the creator, people worship creation. Happened in Romans 1. Paul talked about that. Happening today, we find people doing what? Worshiping other people. Worshiping buildings. Worshiping all sorts of stuff. Money, possessions. We were never created to do that. We were created to understand who he is. We were created to know him and we were created to worship him. He is worthy to be worshipped. We can appreciate creation. We can enjoy creation. But we should never worship creation. Worship the creator who is Jesus. Worship him. So Paul in his theology, he's given us insights here. He's talking one about Jesus is the creator. Look at number two, Jesus is the sustainer. Again, Paul's theology is rich and it's deep. Jesus is a sustainer. He holds things together. Look at these statements here I want you to see. One, experience comfort because Jesus understands. You and I this morning have a Savior who understands, we have a Lord who understands. That's comforting for us. And what do I mean by that? When I think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and how He understands, He understands the ins and outs of relationships. You think about the life of the Lord Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, took on human flesh, had parents, had siblings, had friends. As you think about the life of Jesus, you study the Gospels and see how he lived his life. He had people around him who encouraged him and followed him and who obeyed him. He also had people around him who rejected him and ridiculed him and discouraged him. Jesus understands the ins and outs of relationships, so when we look at relationships and we find somebody has encouraged us, he understands that. When we're in a relationship and someone discourages us, he understands that. At a moment of critical time in his life, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is praying to do the will of the Father. Three of his closest followers around him, and what were they doing as he prayed as he asked them to? They were sleeping. And so today, when you think about your life, the ins and outs of relationships, you have a Savior who understands. He understands the routines of everyday life. He was a carpenter by trade. As you think about who this is, Jesus, he was a carpenter. He knows what it's like to put in a hard day's work and to be tired as the Son of Man. He understands that. He understands what it's like to go through the routines of everyday life. You get up in the morning, you go to the carpentry shop and you work. He understands the routines of our lives. Most of our lives are pretty normal and routine. He understands the routines of your life and my life. Jesus understands the temptations of our lives as well. See, according to the Bible, it's not if you're tempted, but when you're tempted. The enemy is going to tempt you to look at the wrong things, see the wrong things, do the wrong things, think the wrong things. Temptation is going to come to your life and my life. Not if, but when. And the good news is, you and I have a Savior who has been tempted in every way we are, yet the difference in Him and us is He was without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. That's what the Bible says. So when you're tempted and the enemy is trying to destroy your life, cause you to walk away in your faith, or to compromise some conviction of yours, you have a Savior who understands. And then as you and I find ourselves going through life, whether we're kids, students, or adults, and we find ourselves dealing with pain and suffering in life, the good news is we have a Savior who understands that. And here's what I mean. Jesus knows what it's like to be ridiculed and rejected by people and to feel the pain and the suffering of that. There are people in the sanctuary and there are people who are watching. You're dealing right now in your life, some people close to you. You understand what it's like to be ridiculed and rejected and the pain and suffering that come from that. You have a Savior who understands. That's who Jesus is. He understands our lives. He understands the pain and the suffering. Look at the second one. Live free because Jesus cares. Because Jesus gave his life. Paul is going to say his death. Why did he die on a cross? He died on a cross so that you and I could live free. But again, I understand there are people in the sanctuary and watching. I understand today you're living your life in bondage. You're not living free. When you look at your finances, you're in financial bondage. You look at relationships, you're in relational bondage. You look at emotionally, you're in emotional bondage. You look at spiritually, spiritually in bondage. Also know there are people today who are filled in life with emotional issues. You're filled with anger. You're filled with worry. You're filled with bitterness in your life. Listen, you're not living free, but Jesus lived a sinless life and died on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day so that you could live free not in bondage, not filled with these emotional issues. And so I would just ask you, as you think about your life, whatever age you are, and you feel like you're not living free, you're living in bondage. You're filled with all these emotional issues. Have you given those to Jesus because he died and is victorious so you could live free in the Christian life? What did Jesus say in the John's gospel chapter eight? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Who is this Jesus? He wants you to live free. Give him your life. And look at what Paul says, number three, press forward because Jesus leads. What does he say in this text when it comes? He says, then he is the head of the church. When you look at this text here and you see these words, and and he's before all things and and through him all things hold together when you look at this idea of hold together what that means is he just prevents something from complete chaos can you imagine if Jesus wasn't on the throne and in control what this world would be like can you imagine what our lives would be like if he wasn't holding things together the church whatever it may be he's holding things together and then Paul says wonderfully he is the head of the church his body I mean, the Bible gives us a lot of descriptions about the church, and and here it's about his body. We are a body in Christ, and Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Let me be transparent with you today. I appreciate serving as your pastor. What a joy to have that title and that role and that responsibility. But please understand, I am not the head of this church. Jesus is. As I appreciate our ministry team and our staff, I love them. What a joy to serve with them. But please understand, they are not the head of this church. I appreciate our deacon body. I love to partner with those servants and serve the Lord and serve you. But as great as our deacons are, please understand, they are not the head of this church. Jesus is. And as I look at you as members... As much as I love you and counted a joy together with you on a Sunday morning to worship the Lord Jesus Christ with you, not a single member of this church is the head of this church. Jesus is the head of this church. And what does he do? Just as he sustains our lives, he sustains the church. What did he say in Matthew 16? I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He is the creator and he is the sustainer. Paul's theology, very much relevant for us. Look at number three, Jesus is the Savior. As I look at what Paul goes into talking about here, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking here, giving some words here that are only unique in the book of Colossians, by the way. And he says here, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. He's talking about, again, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, whether on earth or in heaven, And here's something that's only unique in Colossians. You're going to see these two things together. You're going to see them in other parts of the Bible. But here Paul puts them together. He says making peace by what? By the blood of his cross. Other parts of the Bible we understand about the cross. Other parts of the Bible we understand this idea about the blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But Paul, in his theology, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he puts these two things together making peace by the blood of his cross. Folks, the cross is not just a piece of jewelry. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross for you and for me. By the blood of the cross. Now the question comes up, who is this Jesus? Paul, again, has outlined for us, he's the creator, he's the sustainer, but also he is going to be the savior. So the big question is going to be now, this is who he is, but now it comes up, what are you going to do with him? I mean, you can't stay neutral to him. You got to do something with him. So what are you going to do with Jesus? This is who he is. So what is your decision? What is your response going to be to him? Let me give you these insights. Number one, a new life. He goes on to say here he's in him all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross and then once you were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. He's wanting to give you life. Now if I ask you this morning are you fully alive what would you say? You say absolutely I'm fully alive. you're sitting in this church, you're, you're watching online, you say, sure, I'm fully alive. But understand this, you can be physically alive and spiritually dead. Are you fully alive? I mean, yeah, physically alive, but are you spiritually alive? And that only happens because of the blood of his cross. That only happens by his death. That only happens by his resurrection. Are you fully alive, physically alive, spiritually alive? You have new life in Jesus. And again, as we say again and again, because we always want to remind you this, you're not going to find new life in good deeds. You're not going to find new life in religious duties. You're not going to find new life in being affiliated with the church. You're going to find new life when you give your life and everything to Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. That's new life in him. So who is this Jesus? Well, he is creator. He is sustainer. He's savior. He wants to give you new life. Number two is a powerful gospel. Paul is clear in Colossians 1 about being alienated. Now he's reconciled in his body and flesh by his death in order to bring you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the face stable and fast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all the creation. Paul makes a big deal about the gospel. The gospel, again, is he didn't stay in a manger in Bethlehem. The gospel is he lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised on resurrection morning, ascended back to the fathers, one day coming again, changing the lives of boys and girls and men and women, those who were dead, giving them life in him, new life. That's the gospel. Have you embraced the gospel in your life, Paul never compromised the message. It was about the gospel. And then number three, a personal decision. And he goes on to talk about in his own life, the gospel which has been proclaimed in all the creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The gospel called him to make a decision. Yes, on the road to Damascus, Jesus changed his life and redeemed him. But also because of the gospel, it changed the direction of his life. And he became a minister, a servant, someone who was going to represent Christ. A decision. This morning in this room and those who are watching, you're going to make a decision as well. The question is, who is this Jesus? Well, we know who he is. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the savior. But then the question, what are you going to do with him? And I just appeal for those in the room and those who are watching. Don't deny him. Don't run from him. Don't reject him. But I want you to know as well this morning, you can't stay neutral to him. You're either for him or against him. You can't stay neutral to him. And you say, well, what am I going to do with him? There there was a guy in scripture by the name of Pilate. Jesus was standing before him. And what did Pilate ask? Great question. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? He couldn't be neutral. He was going to do something with him. He tried to wash his hands. That that, that didn't work. He was still going to do something with Jesus. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? What did the crowd say? Crucify him crucify him. What what are you going to do with him? Let me give you the options because you've heard this message. You're going to do something with him. Here are the options. You can run to him or run from him. You can confess him or you can deny him. You can receive him or you can reject him, but you can't stay neutral to him. You would do something with him today. And as we gather in a place like this, the cry of our hearts is that you would run to him, you would confess him, and you would receive him. Confess that you sinned against him. Trust him to be your savior and commit to follow him as the Lord of your life. That's the wise response. Who is this Jesus? Well, here's who he is. And then what am I going to do with him? Here's what you're going to do with him.
1: Give him your life.
0: I to bow together as we pray. And, and I just want to encourage you and challenge you to be open this morning. We give an invitation every Sunday. Because Jesus is first place in our lives and as a church. And we're not asking you simply to come to us. We're, we're pleading with you. We're inviting you, appealing to you. To come to Jesus in your life. And so in this room, kids, students, adults, what are you going to do with him today? I appeal to you to give him your life. Run to him. Confess him. Receive him. Who is this Jesus? He's Savior. What are you going to do with him? I'm going to receive him. I'm going to embrace him. You need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism as we witness today so beautifully. Run to him. Confess him before other people. Receive his instructions and in obedience. You need to join the fellowship of our congregation. We'd love to have you to be a part of our family, those who know Christ and who've been biblically baptized. We'd love that. He's speaking into your life. Run to him. Confess him, embrace him. Receive the Holy Spirit's leadership today. Some of the spiritual decision the Lord's at work in your life about, again, run to him, embrace him, confess him, and receive his leadership. Those who are watching online, you see an email address, The platform you're watching on, you can type a message in. There would be no greater joy for us as a church than to help you run to Jesus, confess and embrace him, and receive him as Savior and Lord of your life. And you can respond to us there. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus changes the lives of people. Heads bowed here for a moment. I just want us to say his name together. So... Let's say it together. One, two, three. Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name. What a beautiful name. He will change your life. Run to him today. Lord Jesus, thank you for being creator. Thank you for being sustainer. You hold our lives together. And Father, thank you for being Savior, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I pray as we think about the name and the power and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray salvation decisions and other spiritual decisions to be made because we have presented the truth and we leave the results to you either in the room or online. And we're asking people to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord of life. And Lord Jesus, you are glorious in every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this amazing song of response. You run to Jesus this morning. We'll celebrate and we'll help you as we sing together.